I am really proud of our students. We have an incredible family ministries program, and, and, and we have wonderful students. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell me your name. I'm Amira Leggett. And tell them how old you are. Twelve. And tell them what grade you're going into. Going to seven. So here's why I ask Amira to come on stage. First of all, she's an incredible dancer. She can drop it like it's hot, y'all. Oh, not that's a bad thing? She worships Jesus with praise and dance. There it is. I, I, was, I was at um, a, a dance recital, and she was in it, and, and she had this solo hip-hop part. And I was like, it looks just like me in my head. That's the way I dance in my head. Um, she's up here for a very different reason. Um, I'm really proud of this young lady. Uh, her mom posted something on Facebook this week, and it just got my heart and my attention. Uh, Amira is a, a junior counselor at a camp. What camp are you at? Yeah, Marvels. it's um, a Marvels Teen Corps. Yeah, thing. awesome. Why don't you tell them what happened this week? Why, so why did I bring, bring you on stage? We were like just sitting down, and this five-year-old girl, she was eating a fig bar, and then she starts screaming and crying and like holding her neck, and she starts getting like super red, and then out of nowhere, she stops crying. And so we were like getting the counselors and everything, and no, everybody was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, you have to do the Heimlich Maneuver. And she was like, I'm a business major. I don't know what that is. I'm like... <laughs> How are you working at a summer camp but you don't know what that is? And she like started, she started turning really pale. And so I just went over and I did the Heimlich maneuver on her two times and eventually she like spit it up. So yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So let me get this straight. All right. So you're the junior counselor and the adults in the room didn't know what to do. And so instead of waiting on them to figure it out, you moved into position and show them how you did it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, I am super proud of you. I, I'm, I'm impressed every time I see you, but when I saw that story, I thought, you know what? We are family. We're going to celebrate what you did. We're proud of you. Way to pastor your city and love some people. It's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, these people, they're all applauding you because they want you to save their life if there's ever a need to do so. So you're going to go serve in, in DKM now? You're going to go help? Yep. I right, see. She's going back to help. She, your kids are in good hands. Let's give her another hand. I love you, girl. Proud of you. That's proud papa mom moment right there. Yes, sir. I love you. So here's the deal. We're in a series, this is week three, called At the Movies. Now, if you're new to North Park, and this is the first time you've ever been here, I'm Pastor Anthony, I want to welcome you. You may think, what, what's this all about? This is kind of a weird thing. It is a little bit weird, I'll admit. Uh, but we all love movies, right? And we all love movies because we love stories. That's why we love movies. And what you find when you study scripture is Jesus taught using parables and stories because oftentimes stories pull out our emotions and our emotions help us to discover truth. And so that's why Jesus used illustrations. That's why he would get down on the ground and draw pictures in the sand. It's why he did object lessons like when he fed thousands of people with a little boy's lunch of fish and chips. And I know you think that's a great miracle. I think that's the greatest illustration of all times, you know, of God's provision. And, and so God just opened up our imaginations 
and deposit a biblical truth. So that's really what this is. We're just using stories from movies that we've seen uh, to share some biblical truths. And some of you reached out to me this week and thanked me for opening your mind to The Greatest Showman. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Great movie, right? Well, today, here's our next movie. It's called Incredible Twos. Take a look right here. Did you wash your hands with soap? Did you dry them? What? Is this all vegetables? Who wanted all vegetables? I did. So, are we going to talk about it? What? The elephant in the room. What elephant? Mom's new job. It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes, and Elastigirl is our best play. Better than me? <clears throat> Whoa! I like Mom's new job! Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. Supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Uh, math is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. Hello? Hey, honey. How are the kids? Everything's great. Ah! Is she having adolescence? And Jack-Jack? He's in excellent health. No! What the? Num num cooking. Oh, no! Cooking. Okay, that is freaky. You know it's crazy, right? To help my family, I gotta leave it. To fix the law, I gotta break it. You've got to, so our kids can have that choice. Thank you, young man. Combustion imminent? What does that mean? Ah! It means fire, Robert. Green Slater interrupts this program for an important announcement. Suit up. It might get weird. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. It's funny stuff. So here's what I love about this family. It's a family of super, so they're all superheroes. They all have these powers. And I like that their power is connected to kind of their role in the family from a stereotypical perspective. For instance, you know, dad is kind of Mr. Steel. You know, he's strong, right? He can break stuff. Uh, mom, Elastigirl, is elastic. She stretches, and she stretches in a lot of different directions, right? Uh, a teenage girl named Violet is invisible. Uh, we've got a, a little boy who's running a, a, a thousand miles an hour everywhere he goes, and then a baby who can destroy a city block with a temper tantrum, you know? We've all had that child, Micah. Like, we all know what that's, what that's like. And, and it's really funny when we, when we watch stories like this and we watch movies, it's, it's so easy to hold the mirror up in front of our faces, you know, and, and, and see what we can learn about ourselves as, as, we, as we look at families on the big screen and those types of things. And this story is really no different. But here's the thing, every, every movie we've done, I've shared with you like four 
four different spiritual um, applications that, and, and that we could look at, and then we zero in on one. I'm just going to share one because it is the most blaring spiritual principle that we can look at today, and I think it's the most important thing we need to look at, and here it is. If we want to defeat the enemy, we have to stop fighting against one another and start fighting for our family. When you watch that movie, that's the first thing that you see is for them as superheroes, as a family, for them to defeat the enemy, the only way they can do that is to stop fighting against one another, join hands, link arms, and start fighting together as a family and and for our family. And whether you realize it or not, the families in our church, the families in our city, the families in our world, our families are under attack. And the reason is, if the enemy can take our family, everything else falls apart. I mean, you think about it. Our church is made up of families, right? It's made up of individuals. It's made up as families. And, and if, and if the, the enemy of our soul, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, if he wants to destroy our church, let me tell you where he's going to start. He's going to start in your house. He's going to start in your relationships. He's going to start in your home because, because that's what he does. And, and the reality is the, the glory of the Lord resides in your lives and in your family. And so the enemy is going to attack anything that carries the glory in the presence of God. So he's going to come after your families. And there's a lot of reasons that we think the enemy comes against us. You know, may, maybe the enemy's coming against us because, because we've done wrong. And, and we've got this sorted past, and that's why we're facing such a challenge today. And I'm not so sure it's your past that the enemy's concerned with. It's your future. It's your potential. It's not your past. The past is past. It's the future that God has for you that he wants to destroy. If he can get your family, then he can get your future. And, and here's what I want you to see. If he can destroy the intimacy in our homes, he will destroy the influence that our church has in this city. So he's not afraid of your past. He's afraid of the potential that God has for you in this future. But here's what I want you to see. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, and some of you, you feel it. Like, you know, you're like, yes, bring it on, Pastor, because I'm in the fight of my life. Like, right now, I'm in, I'm in the fight of my life. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are fighting for your marriages. Others of you are fighting for your children. Some of you are fighting for your spouse. Like, so many of you are, are fighting. But here's what I want you to see. You are not fighting your spouse. You are not fighting your children. You are not fighting the people that you love. The Bible says that you don't wage war against people, right? That, that, our, that our enemy is the principalities of, uh, and rulers of darkness. So we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. So I truly believe as I study God's word that spiritual warfare is a real thing. But it's not something that you have to be afraid of. It's not, it's not something that you have to, to even lose sleep over. Why? Because yes, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said in that same verse of scripture, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so you aren't alone in this fight. You are surrounded by people in this church that love and care about you. And you have a savior who's fighting for you. Now there's two verses of scripture I want you to turn to. One is in Nehemiah, it's in the Old Testament, page 455 in my Bible. 
I don't know why it's funny. It always makes me laugh. And, and the book of Ephesians chapter 6. So uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 6. And, and we'll get to those in a second. So Nehemiah is not a contractor and he's not a warrior and he's not like a top level leader in, in the nation that he lives in. He just has an assignment and a burden to do something for his people. And the walls around the city of Jericho lay in ruin because they had been attacked. And those walls that represented prominence and prestige and power, um, it was their protection, all those peace, like all, all of those things that represented. And those walls were, were in ruin and God put it on his heart to rebuild the walls around the city. And there's some of you right now, like you feel like your relationships are in ruin. You feel like your family's in ruin and you're doing everything you can with the help of God to rebuild the walls around your family and around, around your home. And so Nehemiah, you could dive into the story. There's so much to look at. But in verse four, he's preparing them for another attack that's intimate, all right? There was already an attack that destroyed everything. They're rebuilding it. And now the enemy is coming against them again. And so he's preparing them. And in Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14, this is what he says. He says, do not be afraid of the enemy. Why? Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and I want you to fight for your brothers and fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. What's he saying? He's saying fight for your families. You, you, you take up arms. We're going to fight for our family. We're going to stand on this wall. We're going to defend what God's given to us, what God has blessed. God has given us our families. He's given us our homes. The enemy's coming against us. He's not taking this without a fight. We will fight for our families. But look at what happens in verse 20. Nehemiah says, when you hear the blast of the trumpet, I want you to rush to wherever it's sounding. And look at the next phrase, then our God will fight for us. What's the, what's the truth? If you fight for your family, God will always fight for you. You don't have to fight this battle alone. The Bible says stand still. He's fighting on your behalf. He is fighting for you. Four of the greatest words in the word of God to me is God is for you. He cares about you. I, I've, I've started a a mentoring program for, for um, high school boys. And we meet together uh, almost every evening for a couple of hours. And it's just discipleship and leadership. I call it Fortnite. Because it is Fortnite. Because it's an online video game. It's not mentoring. It's okay. It's not that. But I play video games with my son and his buddies online. And it's this game called Fortnite. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a good game. That was a good segue. Wasn't it? And, and I love this game. And I love playing with my son. Anybody play? Right? My, my, my username is North Park Pastor. So if you get tagged by North Park Pastor, it's me. And, and my wife is like, you're killing people? No, 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 it's paintball. It's like tag. So, it's, so I just keep telling her it's paintball. Don't tell her it's not. But, but this game is, is fun. I get to play with my, my, my son and his buddies and we got the headsets and you know, like I do on TV and, 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 and I'm horrible at this game and it's very hard and I've never won. I've never had a win, like at all. And, and so Micah and his buddies decide, 
we're going to help you get your first win. And, and so they got me ready. And, and most of the time, you know, I'm shooting like this, right? I'm just, I, I can't even control the dude. I'm struggling. And, and so I'm really excited because normally Micah doesn't let me play with him. And so I'm invited in. I'm in the group. And, and so we're going to get our first win. And, and so here we go into battle. And, and Smooby, who was actually here in the first service, that's not his real name. That's his screen name. Um, he's, he said, Pastor Anthony, we're going to get you your first W. I was like, okay, this is it. So sure enough, man, we have this incredible battle. And it's epic. I mean, it's epic proportions. And we do. We win. And, and it pops across the screen. You've won the game. Celebration. We're all online so we can hear through the headset. They're all screaming. All these boys are screaming like girls. And, I mean, it's just like celebration, man. And, and finally, you know, somebody said, Pastor Anthony, you got your first win. It's incredible. And I said, guys, I'm just, I'm just going to have to admit, I never shot my gun. <laughs> and they were like... What? I, was, I, I, I never actually saw an enemy combatant. I, I, never, I, I never even pulled the trigger, like, at all. So y'all did it. I didn't do anything. And I hear one little lone voice come across my, my headset that said, well, now you know what it feels like to be carried. Now you know what it feels like to be carried. And in that moment, I went to this verse of Scripture. I won my victory, and I never even pulled the trigger. Why? Because somebody else was carrying me. Somebody else was fighting my battle for me. That's what God does for us. He's fighting the battles for us. And so tonight when I'm playing those video games, it's for sermon illustrations and to preach biblical truth and to invest in our students of this generation. Mm. We were playing the other night. It was getting late, and Tyler just kind of came across, and, and, and T-Bone, sorry, T-Bone said, um, guys, I got to go. My mom's making me get off. I was like, Tyler, tell her Pastor Anthony is mentoring you, and this is time for me to invest. All right, got to go. All right, got to go. <laughs> I love the Bible, and, and it gives us such practical advice on how to fight for our families. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and only one verse of Scripture do I want to look at in that, verse, in that chapter. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, this is what it says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but rather, by the way you treat them, but rather bring them up with the discipline instruction that comes from the Lord. Let me read it again. Fathers, do not provoke your children by, to anger by the way you treat them, but rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. I'm going to take it just verse by verse, just like word by word, okay? The very first part of that says what? Fathers. Fathers, this is not a message to just the men, okay? We are all fighting for our families. This is a church family, and we're fighting for one another's families. I'm fighting for your family. You're fighting for my family. Like, we are in this together, right? We love our neighbor as ourselves, which means I care about your family as if it were my family because it is, right? So we're all fighting this battle. But the Apostle Paul specifically addresses our dads. He's speaking to our fathers, and he's reminding Reminding us, dads, fathers, that we have a responsibility and a privilege to be spiritual leaders of our homes. So what's the lesson? Be the man that God has called you to be. 
Now, there's one part of this movie, I, I'll be honest, it, it's not my favorite movie, it's not The Greatest Showman or nothing, but there's some great stuff we can pull from it, but there's one part of this movie I don't like, okay? So this movie is about empowering the wife, which is incredible. I have an amazingly gifted wife, and I am all about women taking their place, not just in the world, but in our church. We've created opportunity for you to do that, and we encourage that. We want you to be who God has called you to be. My wife is an incredibly strong woman. She, she saves my life every single day. That was good. That was good. And she does that at home. She does that in her career. She helps me pastor this church. I am all about women taking their place and being who God, who God called them to be. And I think our men need to step up and be men. Because one thing you see in this movie is while mom is taking on and fighting crime and defeating enemies and also killing it at home and every other area of her life, the only thing Mr. Incredible can seem to do that's celebrated is break stuff and open jars. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and in the home, when he's got to care for his own children for about a 12-hour period of time, he fails miserably. Can I, can I, just, can I just say... We can empower women, but at the same time, we need to teach our boys how to be real men. And there's a gap in our society today. Teach your kids to be, to be men, fathers, be who God called you to be. But it goes on to say, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So the apostle Paul says, don't provoke. And when, in Colossians, he actually uses the word exasperate. Don't exasperate your children. So what's the opposite of that? Encouragement. Encourage your children. That's the lesson. Encourage your family. Your words that you speak are so powerful. The Bible says that there is death and life in the power of your tongue. The words you speak are very powerful. And let me put it to you this way. I'm going to tell you two things, and you see which one is, is more encouraging to you. Like, so as parents, our kids do things that, that disappoint, right? It's, it's disappointing that this happened. So you can look at your child and you could say, you were such a disappointment. Some of you have been told that. You are a disappointment. Others of you, maybe you've even said that to your kids. You are a disappointment. So that's one way of putting it. Or we can say, you know what? I love you. I, I'm, I'm thankful for you. You were a gift from God. And no matter what you do, you were never a disappointment. And... I am disappointed by this action that I've seen in your life. See, that's different, right? I affirm you as a person. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up, but I want to be honest and real about the choices that you've made. So I want to encourage you. I don't want to provoke you. I don't want to exasperate you. I want to encourage you to be who God called you to be. And that's really, as parents, what we're called to do is, is equip our kids to be who God has called them to be. In the, in the Old Testament especially, there's this idea of blessing. And the father, the, the parents would bless their children. And they would speak words of affirmation and they would change their name, right? And they would speak this blessing over them. And in a lot of ways, it was about inheritance and it was about them living out their purpose. But I think there's a principle that we can learn there. We need to bless our kids. We, we, need, to, we, we need to wrap our arms around our children and speak life to them and remind them that they are overcomers and, and they are world changers and they are a royal priesthood. They are sons and daughters of the king. We need to speak life and encouragement into our children. 
remind them that God has a purpose for them. They have purpose. God has a plan and that you want to help them discover that. And that leads into that next part of the verse, which says, bring them up, bring them up. What does that mean? It means you've got to invest in your family. Another way to put that would be nurture. You got to nurture your family. Got to nurture your family. There's four ways that we nurture our families, okay? We, we nurture our families intellectually. We nurture our families, our kids socially, uh, physically, and, and spiritually. And, and, and honestly, we, we get about three of those right most of the time, but I don't think we get all four. We know the importance, but we don't always follow through. Like we know how important it is intellectually, right? That's why we stay after them about grades and their progress in school. I mean, kids, the worst investment and the worst, the, the worst thing ever created since the beginning of time was power school, right? Because like, parents are constantly getting in your business, right? Because we care about you intellectually. We, we care about our kids physically. We want to make sure they're active and they're involved in sports and they're doing all these different things. And we want to make sure that they're involved socially, that they're not awkward, that they're not excluded, that they, that they have friends and we're constantly monitoring their friends and, and their influences, but, but what about spiritually? What are we doing to, to nurture our children, spiritually speaking? Proverbs 22 and 6 says, if we'll train up a child in the way they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now, now let me be clear, that, that, that's a proverb, and a proverb, not to be confused with promise, there are plenty of promises in God's word about your children, but this is a principle. But what it's saying is, this proverb is saying is, that if you'll do this, then this is the likely outcome. Like if you will do this, if you will train up your children, if you will nurture them to follow Jesus, then, then what's going to happen is you're setting them up for success in their future. And you got to understand, I've been a pastor for 12 years. I was a youth pastor uh, for has it been 12 years? Like 12 years before that, I'm getting old. And so I've been in student ministry a lot. I've got this Fortnite mentoring program. Like I spend a lot of time with students, right? And, and I'll often ask parents, like, why don't your kids come to church? Or why don't your kids come to youth group? Why don't your kids do this? And, and, and this is the response I'll get. Well, they don't really want to. Okay. So tomorrow when they wake up and you try to get them out of the bed to go to school, and they look at you and say, I don't really want to. What's your response going to be? I know, I know what, what, what most people would say. You better, you better get it out of bed, you know, <laughs> right? There's no choice. If, if, it's, if it's, I don't want to go to practice. I, I, I don't want to go to dance tonight. I don't give them a choice. I don't want to do my homework. I don't want to do that. But you don't get a choice. So why is it when it's time to make a decision about being in the house of God, that we're having a conversation here. There was never a conversation when I grew up if we were going to church on a Sunday morning. I never asked. Wednesday night, if the doors were open, we were there, right? Why? Because we made God's word a priority in our home. And so what we've got to do is we've got to bring them up. We've got to invest in those relationships. And I know we want our kids involved in everything. We want them to do this and we want them to do that. We want them to be well-rounded and all these things. I get that. Our kids are involved. I got two teenagers. We want our kids to do everything. We want them to have every experience. And this is why we will do that. This is what we'll say. Because we want our kids to have a great childhood. 
But our goal as parents is not to create an incredible childhood experience for our kids. The ultimate goal of parent is to raise up successful adults that follow Jesus. Are we raising up choices or kids by making choices that are following Jesus? How do we do that? He says that we've got to build them up. How? With the discipline. So how do we do that? We set boundaries and we got to be consistent. I love to spend time with my kids. I love it. I love to make memories with my kids. And, and, and for the most part, my kids seem to enjoy spending time with me and my wife. Like we do things together. They actually want to be with us sometimes, you know. We do things together. We have fun. Like we go hang out. We do a lot of great things. But make no mistake about it. We are not our children's friends, buddies, or pals. I am their father. She is their mother. And we're going to have some great memories, but you know what? We're also going to have difficult conversations. We're going to correct. We're going to set boundaries, and, and we're going to hold them accountable. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't even have kids. Yes, you do. You were spiritual mothers, and you were spiritual fathers, and you have to set boundaries and help people hold others accountable. I'm going to tell you, I am thankful for our children, and I am thankful for the love they have for Jesus. But I recognize we didn't do this on our own. We are surrounded by people who don't have biological kids, but they have invested and they have become adopted moms and dads to my kids. They have spiritual mothers and fathers that set boundaries and hold them accountable. It's important. And here's why it's important. Dr. Tony Evans says this. If we aren't careful, the glory of the Lord will be on its way out. That's what Dr. Johnny Evans says. Because we have families who have decided that parents need to obey their children rather than discipline them. Bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So what does that mean? We make Jesus the highest priority in our home. The highest priority. We got a lot of young families in this room. A lot of young families. Here's what you got to get right. Three things. Put Jesus first. Above everything. Put your spouse second. Don't put your kids in front of your spouse. That's backwards. Put your spouse next. And then your kids above everything else. Jesus first. Your spouse next. And your kids above everything else. Put life into them. Invest in them. We search for significance everywhere. Do our kids know that they're significant to us in our homes? Do the people that we love and care about know how valuable and significant they are to us? Because dads, if we don't raise, I, I'm just speaking to dads for a second. If we don't let our daughters know how precious and valuable they are, they'll seek that significance and value from somebody else. If we don't let our sons know that they are strong, they're world changers, they'll always wonder if they matter. I'll never forget, you guys know Reggie Dabs. He comes to our church and speaks frequently. I remember the first time I ever met Reggie. Reggie He's like a star to me. Like I was in star shock, you know, like I was in awe. I'm talking to Reggie Dabs. 
And now when I spend a lot of time with them, I'm like, Reggie Dabbs won't stop talking. You know, so, so <laughs> like, but it's Reggie Dabbs. I'll never forget this moment. We were standing in Branson, Missouri at a Winterfest. I'll never forget it. And I'm standing there talking to Reggie Dabbs, and here comes my six-year-old little daughter. She don't know Reggie. She don't care about Reggie. And so she, she walks up to her daddy, and she's wanting her daddy's attention. And so here's what I did to my six-year-old daughter. I'm talking to Reggie Dabbs. And she walked up to me, and this is what I did to my daughter. Hold on just a second, baby. And I held out my, daughter, my, my hand to my daughter as if to say, what you have to say isn't important right now. This is Reggie Dabbs. And when I did that, that man put his hand in front of my face and he said, don't ever do that again. Yes, sir, Mr. Dabbs. <laughs> what are you talking about? He said, don't you ever put your hand in that little girl's face and tell her that what she has to say is not as valuable as what I have to say. Who am I? She is your daughter. And he said, because there will come a day you're going to want her to talk to you, and she's not going to have nothing to say. We've got to speak life into the people that we love and we care about. Yesterday, my wife showed me a picture of a, of a hot air balloon. And, um, and we started talking about this hot air balloon. I told the first service, I don't even know if this is correct information. We needed to fact check a little bit. But in our limited knowledge, I don't think that there is a way that you can steer a hot air balloon. There's no steering wheel in a hot air balloon. The only thing you can do is, is pump heat into it. You want to do the sound effect with me? Come on. Right? You just pump that heat in that thing or whatever. I guess it's heat. And and I really don't know how this works. That's comforting, right? That your pastor has his Bible open and is admitting, I really don't know what I'm talking about right here. But in my limited understanding and knowledge, what you're doing is pumping something into that balloon. And you can't steer it. You can only control how high it goes. You can control altitude, but you can't control where it's going. Now, you can do some math, and obviously from the video, that's changing, right? And maybe calculate distance and wind speeds and all those kinds of things. So maybe you have an idea if you know what you're doing. But as far as I'm concerned, you just pour something in it, and then you have to trust the wind to take it where it wants to go. And my wife and I were talking, and we were like, you know, that's kind of like parenting. It's like we pour everything we can into our kids. We pour life into our kids. We train them up. We create experience for them. We do everything we can for them. But ultimately, it's on them and the Holy Spirit. And I have to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to lead my children, lead my family, lead you where it is that the Holy Spirit wants you to be. And so we fight. We pray. We invest. We don't give up. And we don't just tell them. We show them. We show them. Pastor Jensen Franklin said, from ages zero to 15, your kids, give or take, will do what you tell them to. That's what your kids are going to do. When they're from zero to age 15, your kids will do what you tell them to do. But from 15 and up, they will do what you show them to do. We follow in the steps of the people that lead us. I have a parent that I reached out to this week because she's got a daughter who's, she's a prodigal. She's away from the Lord. 
she's been trained, she's been brought up. Right now, she is not making great choices. And her family's fighting for her. And so I reached out to her just to say, hey, we're praying for you. If you need anything, we're here. And here was her email response back. We cling to the promise that he is working and that he is winning. And we are grateful for the glimpses he gives us of the victory he is working in her life and ours. And though we would like to skip straight to the parade, it is enough to know that he wins. And so we cling to the promises of his word. And yes, we fight with calloused knees and tattered Bibles. We fight and rock by rock, the wall is being rebuilt. And I read that. It's like, my goodness, it sounds like scripture. Like, it sounds like the apostle Paul writing, you know. But the reality is, that's a mom who just loves her babies and is who in the fight of her life for her family and for her kids' lives, for heart. And this is what she continues to share. She said, and just so you know, Tomorrow, we're leading a prayer group for families who are struggling with children in the same situations. So if you know anybody else who's fighting, you tell them to join us and we'll pray together for our children. Now, why is that important? Because here's what the enemy wants you to do. In the middle of your fight, he wants you to retreat. He wants you to be isolated. He wants you to be afraid. He he wants you to kick back in the shadows so that he can take you out. But instead, here's a mom who says, no, 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 I'm coming into the light and I'm going to join hands with people who are fighting like we're fighting and we're going to pray the fire down for our babies, right? So fight. I don't know where you are in this. Some of this may be prescriptive. Maybe you're like, man, we're doing great. Like everything's, everything's golden. Be prepared for what may be in your future. But if you're in the fight of your life, you're not alone. He is fighting for you. Would you stand with me right now?